good morning. Good morning, family and friends. It is good to be here another day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and we are so glad in it. Uh, thank you for joining us and tuning in once again, making us your church home for about 29 minutes this Sunday morning. My name is Paul. I am privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, uh, where our vision is to see people reconciled to God and to each other. And I'm grateful to be able uh, to serve as a part of this church community. We've had uh, just uh, an amazing several years now. I never know when to sort of pinpoint our beginning. We started our weekly services in January of 2019, but really in 2018 of September, we started uh, having our preview services then, and then even a couple of years prior to that, we were meeting and praying and, and, and just asking God to be with us. And it's just been an extraordinary time of fellowship and community building. And God has been so faithful in that even in this pandemic, uh, a surreal space, no doubt, uh, he's met us. He's met us in uh, unique ways and allowed us to continue our fellowship. So again, grateful to have you with us this morning. Um, today will be the last day that you will see me for a few weeks um, in, in this particular format. Uh, why, you might ask? Well, um, next week, next Sunday, I'm asking our prayer team to come back and to lead us. Um, if you've been with us for the uh, last couple of months at the least, you know that we've had them leading. Our prayer team has been leading on every fourth Sunday. Um, and this was something we had actually hoped to start when we were meeting in person prior to the pandemic. Uh, in the form of prayer walks and other creative ways to invite you into prayer uh, with us on a Sunday morning in lieu of the traditional Sunday morning service. And we were just really excited about how we were going to um, create those spaces for us to engage in that way. Um, of course, the pandemic hit. We're almost up on a year of that, believe it or not. And we held off because of the pandemic, but ultimately decided we're not just going to wait until we're back in person, but we would start now. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been blessed to have Troy Savage. Uh, thank you, God, for Troy. And thank you, Troy, for being willing and available to lead our prayer team. Um, and he's been leading that moment on the fourth Sundays with rotating members of the prayer team with, with a message that you can chew on and take notes from, but also with some uh, time of prayer. And that moment that we've... Uh, that we've demonstrated and we will again next Sunday is both to model for and invite you into the kind of prayer living that we all need. We all need to converse with God. We all need to tell God what's on our hearts and we need to sit quietly and listen to what God wants to say to us. And so on the fourth Sundays, we've created space for that, again, to be modeled and though for you to be invited on the altar of your heart, even in your kitchen, in your living room, to pray with us. So that's next week. It's, it's Prayer is essential for every believer's life, and I hope you'll set aside that 30 minutes next week to join us. And the cool thing is you don't even have to wait until next week. Um, you can join us tomorrow night because every Monday we are on the phone at 8 p.m. for 20 minutes, um, and you can join us via phone. You can find that link uh, in the chat here at some point if it's not there already. And, and on Monday nights, you actually get the chance to exercise your faith in a safe space with others and talk to Jesus. And so uh, you can join us tomorrow night and certainly next Monday, next Sunday. I hope that you'll join us again here at 1030. So that's next week. And then the month of March, 
I'm going to be taking some time away, some time away for rest, uh, for refreshing, for clarity, and in my stead uh, will be four incredibly capable individuals, and get this, from within this house, from within our Victory Church family. I'm excited. You see me cheesing from ear to ear. I know I smile normally anyways, but I'm really, really cheesing this morning because uh, Stefan Wheelock is going to be bringing the word on March 7th. Troy Savage, who you've heard from already, is going to be bringing the word on March 14th. Joseph Williams, who you've heard from as well, will be bringing the word on the 21st. And then Kate Martin is going to be bringing the word and leading our prayer team on the fourth Sunday, March 28th, which happens to be Palm Sunday as well. Um, and then I'll be coming back for Easter Sunday that following Sunday, uh, the first Sunday in April. And as every director and every coordinator, every leader um, at Victory already knows, I expect for them to do similarly. Um, to create space like this, to step away for a moment, to uh, both allow others to lead. It always comes back to discipleship at the end of the day, right? So creating space for others to lead without you there. Um, and also, though, to spend some time in prayer and fasting and and just plain resting um, so that they can come back refreshed with new insights and energy and clarity to share as unto the Lord. Um, and truth be told, they're going to be coming back to some stronger teammates uh, to serve alongside because their teammates have now been learning how to run things and troubleshoot without them there. Because many times you tend to just do stuff because you're there and because you're used to it and you know what to do. And when you're gone, these other, the other leaders can then learn more about how to lead. Again, it's back to discipleship, discipleship at the end of the day. So today is the last moment for several weeks um, that, that uh, you'll see me. But again, we are... The church, and that is exciting. It's exciting to me, and it has been a prayer of mine that we not miss a beat because of one one uh, human being's existence. Um, because at the end of the day, the presence of the main attraction every week and prayerfully every day of our lives will still be present. God builds the church, and God works through each and every one of us. Again, privilege and honor to steward the vision of this house. And a part of my doing so well includes as we've implemented this time away. So I look forward to it while at the same time I'll be missing you. And, um, and I'm ultimately, ultimately excited about what God is doing in our midst such that this can be a reality for us. And I hope you'll say amen to that because for me, that's exciting. That is exciting. Um, because victory, as a segue into our sermon series, it belongs to Jesus at the end of the day. Uh, Jesus is the engine that runs this space and every uh, space that calls itself a church. So the Big C Church is not such without Jesus Christ. And so in continuing our series today um, on Victory Belongs to Jesus, I want to talk about shutting the door. The first Sunday of this month, we talked about uh, what it looks like for it to be a fixed fight. The second Sunday, we admonished one another to come closer to Jesus and again, this Sunday, another admonishment, uh, which is to shut the door. Shut the door. Turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. And we'll be looking at different verses. To be honest, I just want to read the whole chapter. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that might take up all the 29 minutes. And, and I might go over a little bit because I spent a little bit of time prefacing all of this with, 
what we'll be doing over this next month. But Second um, Kings chapter four is where we will be. And we're going to look at verses one through eight. And then I'm going to skip uh, to verse 14 and uh, read 14 through 21. And then I'm going to skip forward again and read verses 32 and 33. So again, I would, if I were you, read the whole chapter, get some context as you meditate on this later and ask God to speak to you even beyond what I share. But certainly I pray that you meditate also on what I believe the Lord has for us through what we'll share today. So you'll want to read the whole chapter, but those are the verses that we'll read. 1 through 8, 14 through 21, and 32 and 33 of Second Kings chapter 4. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to study your word. I pray according to your word that you would open up our eyes so that we might see all of the wonderful things that you have for us in your law. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Second Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And it reads, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Verse 3, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, she went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Verse 8, one day Elisha then went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And this is where I'm going to jump down to verse 14. What can be done for her? Elisha asked, similar to how he asked the poor widow, how can I help you? What, what can be done for her, Elisha says. And Gehazi said, his servant, he said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said in verse 15, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But, verse 17 says, the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. His father told the servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. Verse 21 says, she went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. 
Skip down again to verse 32 and verse 33. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Again, the, the title of today's message is Shut the Door. Shut the Door. Um, some of you all know and have even met um, our new addition to our household uh, here in the Harris household. We got a dog a few months ago, and um, uh, he's a nice black golden doodle. I should have a picture to show, but he's a golden doodle. His, his name is Bean, and Bean is growing quite rapidly. I'm not even sure who gets, you know, who we spend more money on at the grocery store anymore, but that's another conversation. Um, Bean has quickly become a fixture in our house. He's been... Um, a great addition to our household for so many different reasons. And this past week, I was watching uh, our oldest daughter who, who takes a lot of responsibility. She's been amazing in um, taking care of Bean. And she was feeding Bean his dinner. And she was breaking up um, uh, you know, chicken and, and mixing it with rice because poor guy has some stomach issues. We're trying to figure that out. So he's been getting a lot of chicken and rice. And so I decided I'd grab some chicken from what my daughter was preparing for him and break a little piece off and, you know, just kind of slip him a little appetizer, right? And so literally it took him like half a second to snatch it, maybe chew it, not even sure he does that anymore, and swallow it. And he literally, it, it's like he just inhaled <laughs> what I gave him, which wasn't a small thing. But then Bean did the strangest thing um, to me. It, it, it Maybe not strange for dogs, but strange in a sense, right? In that he... He pointed his eyes downward, and he's just staring at the ground <laughs> after I gave him this piece of chicken. Now, mind you, I had more chicken, but his head is down on the ground, and I had to make noise. I had to call his name. I had to snap my fingers and do all of these things just for him to look up and see that what he needed and wanted was already in his master's hands. Y'all can preach the rest of this one for me. How many of us find ourselves looking wherever, down on the ground, all of the places that won't give us what we need when we realize at some point all we need to do is look up, if you will, to the hills from where our help comes. And so I want to lift up three points, three thoughts from this text that we've read today. Um, the first is, it's in the house. It's in the house. Secondly, shut the door now. Shut the door now. And lastly, thirdly, stay in your lane and give it to Jesus. Stay in your lane and give it to Jesus. Uh, when we talk about first and second kings, I'll talk about them both together just as you know a little bit of backdrop. They both illustrate the failure of kings in Israel and Judah to live up to the ideals of the kingship covenant uh, that was made with David. The failure is first evidenced with Solomon, David's son, who excelled in all, uh, 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 you know, kind of exceeded, if you will, all the kings of the earth in terms of riches and wisdom, uh, but whose unfaithfulness later in life set the stage for the abandonment of the faith among the people. Uh, and it's important to note that God's unfaithfulness, though, never ceased. How many are just grateful that God's 
Faithfulness doesn't cease even when our own faithfulness does. And in their case, uh, his faithfulness, God's faithfulness, was shown through the prophets that he sent. Someone who's used by God to communicate his message to the world. And Elijah, a notable prophet of his era, warned the people in his time to not serve these other gods. And then we get to 2 Kings and it opens with uh, the conclusion of Elijah's prophetic ministry in Israel. And then it, it begins, if you will, the work of his successor, Elisha, who when asked by Elijah what he wanted before Elijah was taken away, Elisha just simply said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And a study of Elijah's, Elisha, excuse me, his life in scripture will reveal his humility. It will reveal his obvious love for the people of Israel. And it will reveal his faithfulness in a lifelong ministry. Elisha was obedient, obedient to God. And through him, God indeed worked very powerfully. Elisha's prophetic ministry uh, included the, the works of healing and restoration. Uh, it, you know, the biblical record shows that uh, joy was brought to the people through miracles of God as done through Elisha. Uh, for example, in the beginning of Elisha's ministry, uh, there was a healing of a spring of water near Jericho in 2 Kings chapter 2. The spring had all of these toxic qualities and 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 and. Someone even complained to Elisha and said, you know, this water is kind of unfit for us to drink. And it destroyed all the foliage around it. And Elisha said, huh, give me some salt, some salt. Bring some salt to me in a new bowl. And they brought it to him. Elisha tossed the salt into the gushing spring and all the poison in the pool of water had suddenly dispersed. Sidebar, not unlike you and me, a salt of the earth that we can preserve. That's what God's called us to be. Elisha's second recorded miracle uh, granted, as we see in our text today, this impoverished family, if you will, with financial blessing. There's this poor widow that comes to him. Uh, and Elisha says, how, how can I help you? And before uh, he could even get an answer to that question, he, he, he says this to her next. Tell me what you have in your house. And this is a good point in the, in the message where in these days and times you text your neighbor, G-chat your neighbor, whatever. You put it in our literal chat, your neighbor, and tell them it's in the house. It's in the house. Elisha says, what do you have in your house? And she says, I, listen, I have nothing. I got a little jar of oil. But what she needed to pay off her debt was already in the house. The question I'd ask you is, what's in your house? We have like a horse in our house right now. My, my, my wife and our, my sister-in-law will say, you, bought a, you didn't buy a dog, you bought a house. What's in, you bought a horse. What's, what, what's in your house? Enough about being. What's in your house? Literally and figuratively, what's in your house that God can't multiply because you've minimized? I didn't go to seminary, God. I didn't finish my degree, God. I'm not married, God. I'm only human, God. What are you minimizing that God wants to multiply? It's in the house. It's in your house. Then Elisha says this in, in, in verse 4. Then go inside and shut the door. 
because a miracle was about to occur that would allow for her to fill, as we read, every empty jar to the top by pouring from the one jar of olive oil that was already in her house. Go inside and shut the door. And her response, to, and, and, and even more, the, the timing of her response is quite instructive to all of us. And I, and I hope it's inspiring and encouraging in many ways because it's in the next verse. She didn't even let a verse separate the, her action from the command. The next verse, verse 5, it says, she left him and shut the door. Text another neighbor and just tell him, shut the door now. <laughs> shut it now. I'm reminded of, of, of in the gospel, uh, a couple of the gospels, but Luke in particular that I'm referencing today, chapter 9, verse 59, where Jesus told the man, follow me. And the man's reply was, well, Lord, uh, first let me go and bury my father. Another one says, I'll follow you, Lord, uh, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. First let me, first let me. Anybody ever find themselves there? Lord, I hear you and I, I want to follow, but, but first let me just, let me just get this in order. Or, I, yes, I, I hear that, but first let me. It doesn't even have to be a sinful reason. Burying your father, saying goodbye to family, how many know those aren't exactly the worst things on the planet to do? But if we're not careful, we can have good distractions get in the way of our immediate and right response that God is looking for. Shut the door now. And there are many instances that we can even look throughout scripture just for later perusing of your own. Uh, other instances of shutting the door in Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter 19 verse 10, for example, when the men reached inside the house trying to do some nonsense and and uh uh well the folks outside the house were trying to do some nonsense and the men inside out pulled lot back in to the house and they shut the door on all the nonsense all the drama all the distractions occurring outside of that door ezekiel chapter 3 verse 24 it says the spirit then entered me and made me stand on my feet and he spoke with me and said to me go shut yourself up in the house Stay focused on what only the master can provide. What are you looking for on the floor, Bean? <laughs> what, you, what you need is in your master's hand. It's right here. And if we, you and I, are going to experience the victory that indeed just it does belong to Jesus, we have to shut the door on some stuff, and we've got to shut the door now. Elisha then uh, goes and... And, and uh, to a place called Shunem. And he visits with a, a well-off couple. Um, and if there's one thing that I learned in my time as a high school counselor some years ago, back in the day now, um, and, and there are many things that I've learned from that time, but if there's one thing I've learned is that the kids and the families in the hood and in the country club, they all had issues. And I was privileged to work in all of those spaces from urban, suburb, suburban, rural, you know, rich, poor, you name it, racial diversity, all of it. Different issues, but issues nonetheless. And so if you have air in your lungs right now, whether you're black, you're white, you're Asian, Latinx, you're rich, you're poor, you're short, you're tall. If there's air in your lungs, red hair, no hair, you need Jesus too. I need Jesus. Songwriter says, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And so Elisha goes to this 
well-to-do woman, as it says here in verse 8. He, go, he goes to stay at this couple's house who had a guest house or a guest room, if you will. Wasn't being used, and so they prepared it and made a space for him to stay. Whenever he's in town, nobody uses the room. Come on, you just, just be there when you come. And so when Elisha then asked, as he did to the poor widow, what he could do for them, in this case in return for their generosity, the wife in so many words said, if you were to read all of the verses in between that we didn't get to in our reading today, she said, ah, no worries, I'm good. We're, we're good. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> keep your money. Keep your change, right? But when Elisha found out through his servant Gehazi that she didn't have any children, he called for her and then prophesied that, you, that she was going to have a son around that same time the following year. Her response, as we read, was, no, my Lord, please, please, don't play with me. Don't play with me. You know how badly I wanted a baby. I'm inserting a little bit of Holy Spirit imagination here. Don't play with me. Don't mislead your servant, she says. But in fact, she would later become pregnant, as we read. And the next year, about that time, she gives birth to a son, just as Elisha told her. Then that son grows up a little bit and gets sick. He's out in the field with his dad. And as we read, that boy dies. Then we get to verse 21. It says, she went up and laid him where? On the bed of the man of God. And then did what? Shut the door. She laid him on the bed of the man of God. Whatever it is. Third point. Stay in your lane and give it to Jesus. Stay in your lane. Some of us are holding on to some dead things my athleticism <laughs> i think i was a decent athlete I'm, some days i'm like holding on to it like i can still play <laughs> god is like uh get a golf club uh get on the peloton how about that right <laughs> um and some of us i say that humorously right but don't laugh too hard i can still ball out when we get out of this pandemic we can i'll get one more game in i was telling my wife just one more game i want to play but some of us are holding on to more seriously some things that are better. And maybe that is serious. Maybe I need some work in that area. But we're holding on to some dead things, doing all we can even to try to resuscitate it, <laughs> stretching out a little bit more, whatever the case might be. And God is saying, give it to me. Lay it on my bed. Some of us might even be holding on to dead things and we don't even recognize that it's dead. And we're carrying it around and God is saying, give it to me. It's not even, it's not living anymore. She though realized there was nothing she could do. Her money couldn't do anything. Her big house couldn't fix it. And she had the presence and awareness of mind to lay him on where the bed of the man of God and then shut the door and went out. She realized, look, this is, this is beyond me, this is beyond her, and she needed, in this case, to stay in her lane. Couldn't, she couldn't write a check big enough for this. Stay in her lane and give it to Jesus. Your last text for the day, I promise, maybe. Uh, G-chat. Just tell the neighbor, stay in your lane. She shut the door, and then, Scripture says, she diligently pursued. Not her next idea, not her bank account, not her connect, not her degree, not her pedigree, not her zodiac sign, not her whatever you can fill in the blank with, but she pursued the man of God. And when she got to him, it says she took hold of his feet 
And she was not going to leave him, even told him as such. I'm not going anywhere. And then in verse 32, it says, when Elisha reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, he shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And I just want to insert something there, a question. I, as I'm reading, I always think, I just ask questions of the text. It's, 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 it's healthy to do as you're reading. And I, and I thought, well, where's the mother? She said she wasn't leaving him, grabbed onto his feet. So how now when he gets to the house, he's shutting the door on just him and the baby. She must have been with him. Sidebar, I'm so thankful for the wise woman in my life. God, God uses women. He speaks through women. She knew better than to try to sort of force her way in and say, well, Jesus, let me help you with that. Let me come on in and just assist you. Let me help you with my, and you fill in the blank for your own life. She had a presence of mind. Now, yes, there are times when God calls us, and we say that often enough here at Victory, that if you've been with us long enough, you know that he calls us and, and gives us the privilege of participating in his work. I don't want anybody walking away from this sermon saying, okay, Pastor Paul said, you know, give it to Jesus. So I don't need to even apply for that job. No, 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 no. Fill out the application. Participate. Don't do that, right? We get to engage and participate. <sighs> Having said that, um, or even as an example, if you move, go on in, in 2 Kings to chapter uh, um, 5, Naaman, the commander, uh, who also had leprosy, God said, Naaman, go wash in, 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 jo in the Jordan, uh, dip yourself seven times, and then you'll be cleansed. And sure enough, he did, and he was cleansed and restored, and, and he was healed of leprosy. God gave him the opportunity. He didn't need him to go do that. He gave him the privilege to steward his faith and participate. So absolutely, we get to do that. Richard Allen, for those of y'all watching the Black Church on PBS, if you haven't, you can find it on YouTube. And Jarena Lee and all of those folks who prayed and prayed and prayed. And then they mobilized and mobilized and mobilized. In their case, created the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed throughout history and mobilized and mobilized and mobilized and created the freedom school, the schools. And, and they prayed and they prayed and they resisted and they resisted. You get my point. There are absolutely times to participate, and to participate well, we get to do. But then there are times when God is just like, get out the way. <laughs> Move. Get out the way. Stay in your lane. And it's easy for us, myself included, to read this text and say, well, of course she's going to stay in her lane on this one. She had no choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> How many times have, 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 has God had to nudge us and say, okay, Gehazi, good try, uh, but only my, my hand is going to have to move this. I'm going to have to directly handle this one. You are not going to be able to force that child to love me. Get out the way. Let me work on his heart directly. You might be able to maneuver your way into, into a relationship somehow, figure out a way to sort of you know, position yourself to get in one, but only I can bring you the spouse that you need. You might be able to find another job on your own. But just be still for a moment and watch me arrange something that you never could, that only I can. Stay in your lane and give it to Jesus. 
And I want to, as I kind of hasten to a conclusion here, is I want to read uh, what I didn't read earlier, or some of what I didn't read earlier, which is verses uh, 34 through 37. And, and I will, we will figure out a way to wrap this up here in a couple of moments. Uh, verse 34 through uh, 37, it says, uh, <clears throat> Then he got on the bed, this is Elisha, and he lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away, walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. And the boy sneezed seven times. We don't have time. He sneezed seven times and he opened his eyes. Verse 36, Elisha then summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. Remember, she wasn't far. <laughs> call the Shunammite. And he did. And when she came in, Elisha says, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. And she took her son and went out. Stay in your lane and give it to Jesus. Why? Because as we've preached all month long, victory belongs to Jesus. And so what is it? What is it by way of our collective reflection this week and beyond today even? What is it that is particularly difficult for you to shut the door on in your life? And I don't want to pretend that it's not, you know, that it's not hard. I don't want to pretend that it's easy to just shut the door. The thoughts that cross your mind, shut the door. It, I, I don't want to pretend and, or minimize or discard the difficulty associated with, but I do want us to collectively reflect on what is it that's difficult for me, for you, for us to shut the door on in our lives. The good distractions that, if we're honest, it gets us every time. The fleeting pleasures that lure us on a daily basis. Maybe some that your friends know and others they don't. What is it that you need, though, to shut the door on? And I'm going to end here. I know I said we're going to end here with prayer um, for all of us by the power of Jesus Christ to, to, again, not minimize, going back to the first point, not to minimize that which is in our house already that God wants to multiply we're going to pray that we shut the door on the things that are distracting us and that we stay in our lane and give to Jesus what only Jesus can do. Lord, help us to shut the door as you command us to do. Help us to trust your providence. You are a good God. I pray today that whatever is in our house, which has so many applications in us, in this temple our, that you've called us to steward, our bodies, what's literally in, inside of us, what's in our, our, our physical dwelling, what's in the house of God, all of the houses we occupy help us to reflect on what's there already and to not discard or belittle or minimize that which in your hands can be multiplied beyond measure. Ephesians says, exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Help us not to minimize, God. Help us to shut the door on the things that, that, that distract us. Scripture says sin is crouching at our doors. And we know the enemy is out seeking to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy. Knocking on our doors every single day. God, help us to shut the door to the distractions that might even be good distractions. And allow God in our shutting the door for you to arrange that which only you could. And similarly, when you've called for our participation that you do want to cease 
when you want for us to get out of the way, to move, help us, Lord, to stay in our lane and say, God, I this you have to step in. This is dead. I can't breathe life. I've, I've done what I've known to do, and I need you, Lord, to step in. I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And as I conclude, for those who have yet to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'd be remiss if I didn't make a direct invitation to you. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says that when we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we're saved. We're saved from the penalty of sin. We get to go to heaven and we can say, be saved from the power of sin here on earth which is an ongoing process, it's not overnight. <laughs> and ultimately, at some point, we can be saved from the presence of sin when God takes us on the glory. And if you have yet to accept Jesus in that way on the altar of your heart right now, you can do it because only God knows how you're believing in your heart, not me or anybody else. I can just give you the scripture and, 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 and invite you to do that. But I will say we'll celebrate that decision with you. If you fill out a connect card that's in the chat box here and let us know, I made this decision, what's the next steps? We'll send you some next steps, whether you're in Charlottesville or not. It's not about being a member here at Victory. It's about being a member of the larger church and a follower of Jesus Christ so that the victory that belongs to Jesus can be yours as well. Amen and amen. I've gone over a few minutes this morning. I pray that God has gotten the glory um, and that this word through scripture as i often say does indeed drop from our head knowledge down to our heart to make a real difference in our lives god's called us to be changed by his word for us to be conformed into his image into his likeness and so with that y'all let's live in victory and um i know i need him every hour and so i'm calling Marvin Winans this morning to close us out if you just want to hang on um, as he sings, I need thee every hour. And certainly we need God to shut the door. Help us to shut the door. Uh, in Jesus' name. Love y'all. Live in victory. See you soon.